Hi, this is Ananda, President of the Hare Krishna Community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. So my deepest respects, heartfelt gratitude, and congratulations to all the mothers out there in the assembly. And I think mothers are our heroes and nurturers of our society. And uh, without motherly love, there would hardly be any nourishment in any of our lives. Uh, It's mothers who give the gift of life to every individual in the world. And they shape our childhood and they shape out our very future. And actually, I was thinking how ironic that Ananda, (laughs) our temple president, chose me to be the speaker for the Mother's Day talk because uh, I was telling her that, you know, maybe a real mother should do this talk because at least in this life, I haven't been a biological mother to anyone. But then she was like, no, no, but, you know, you're a doctor and, you know, you share Krishna consciousness with others and guide others. So you're a mother in some way. So I had to accept defeat and I surrendered and I'm doing the talk. (laughs) But I think motherhood is more than bearing children, though it's certainly that. Uh, The essence of mother, I think, is her uh, motherly love. And I discovered that mother is actually a verb. It's not just um, who you are, but it's actually something that you do. And so, yes, I haven't been a biological mother, but I've been fortunate to experience uh, the love of mother in the form of many mothers in my life. And uh, I think Krishna, who's a very uh, expert teacher, has also taught me some of the many lessons of motherhood in other ways. Krishna is such a wonderful master that he manages to teach everyone everything that they need to know. And I think by appreciating and glorifying someone or the qualities they possess, one acquires a fraction of those qualities. It's not just something I think, but it's a fact. Our scriptures talk about this fact. So I feel that Uh, It's not by accident (laughs) that Ananda wanted me to speak. Um, It's Krishna's arrangement. And I'm requesting all of you mothers out there to, you know, please uh, bless me. So Mother's Day, I think in all cultures around the world, uh, there is respect that is offered to mothers, motherhood. Um, Yeah, there's respect that's offered to mothers and motherhood and motherly love all across um, the board. And uh, where there is a culture, uh, there's always honoring of uh, those individuals in our society uh, that give much to our society. We honor them. And um, I learned that uh, this modern Mother's Day began in the United States uh, at the initiative of one uh, person named Anna Jarvis early in the 20th century. It was uh, just before... uh, just before World War One, that's when it became part of American culture. And she was a Protestant minister, and she actually, along with many other volunteers, had become an assistant to the 
wounded soldiers and she was appreciating how much it was beneficial for all of them um, to care like this. And so then she campaigned and you know, wrote stuff uh, for this to become a national holiday. So it became a national holiday since then. Um, so there's many, many uh, things that can be said about the mother. There's many quotes out there. I picked a few quotes to start with. There's an American author named Mitch Album uh, who said that when you look into your mother's eyes, you know that it is the purest love you can find on this earth. And this very much is what scriptures also say. And Srila Prabhupada, the founder Acharya would say, and his spiritual master Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur would say, that it's really rare to find uh, pure selfless love in this world. But mother's love is as close as you can get uh, to selfless love in this world. There is a Cardinal Mermelod. She was a Swiss Cardinal of the Roman Catholic Church. And she said that a mother is she who can take the place of all others, but whose place no one else can take. And a French novelist, he said that the heart of a mother is a deep abyss at the bottom of which you will always find forgiveness. And then there's somebody named Barbara Kingsolver, who is right here from Annapolis, Maryland. She's an American writer and a political activist and uh, whose best-known novels actually concerned with the endurance of people living in um, inhospitable environments and the beauty that can be found even in such harsh uh, circumstances. And she says that sometimes the strength of motherhood is greater than natural laws. So we can just appreciate the resilience and the endurance of mothers. They go through much, but continue to be these givers and mothers in our lives. So I want to um, share a verse which... Um, I feel inspired by and uh, tell you a little, little story leading up to that uh, section. And probably many of you may be familiar with uh, the story also because it's a popular story in our Srimad Bhagavatam. So Dhruva Maharaj, he was a little five-year-old prince. Uh, he was born as the son of a great king. And this king had two wives and he begot children from uh, both of them. And one day, while Dhruva's stepbrother was playing on the lap of the king, Dhruva also wanted to play on his father's lap. And we can just picture, you know, there's this amazing king. His name was Uttanapad, and he's sitting on the throne at a leisurely moment. And he's in a very affectionate mood. So Dhruva obviously felt very drawn to it, and he wanted to hop on his father's lap too. And he tried. But his father just simply did not reciprocate. And uh, his stepmother came forward after that. And she said very loudly so that everybody could hear. She said, my dear boy, you know, you cannot sit on the lap of your father. Although you're his son, you're completely disqualified because you haven't taken birth from my womb. And she continued further. And she said, if you really want to sit on your father's lap, you must worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead by penances and austerities. And then in your next life, you can take birth from my womb. And then it may be possible. 
And you can imagine what happened to the little Dhruva. He just burst into tears. And of course, he was a Kshatriya. He came from a warrior family. So insults are very hard for them to take. And so he became actually angry and he was breathing heavily and he just left the palace and went to his mother. And his mother's name was Suniti. And Suniti immediately lifted her son up, put him on her lap, and she, uh, he, told him, he told her the whole story. And Suniti also, her heart began to burn. It became like Bhagavatam describes, like it became like a burnt leaf. She was also breathing very heavily, and she was thinking, what is the remedy for him? But the first thing she said to him was, please, do not ever wish anything that's inauspicious for others. Anyone who inflicts pain upon anyone else actually suffers that same pain. And then she continued to say that, you know, your father, uh, he doesn't really consider me to be his wife, and he feels ashamed to accept me. So, you know, whatever your stepmother said, it's actually true. Although it's very harsh to hear, it's factual. So I think if you really want to sit on your father's lap, you must go and worship the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So here's the verse. Uh, it's 4.8.22, if anybody wants to look up later. Uh, she says, my dear boy, you also should take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who's very kind to his devotees. Persons seeking liberation from the cycle of birth and death always take shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord in devotional service. So, as the verse goes on further, Prabhupada writes, Queen Suniti advised her son that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is known as Vritya Vatsala, which indicates that he's very kind to his devotees. She said, you came to me crying, having been insulted by your stepmother, but I'm unable to do any good for you. But Krishna is so kind to his devotees that if you go to him, then the combined kindness of millions of mothers like me will be surpassed by his affectionate and tender dealings. When everyone else fails to mitigate one's misery, Krishna is able to help the devotee. So, there's more to the purport, but I think it's such a sweet occurrence and inspiring section in the Srimad Bhagavatam. A five-year-old boy going to his mother for solace. And perhaps this is something that we all do when we need some solace. You know, we call a mom. Mom, what do I do? You know, when everything goes wrong, we call our mom, we go to our mom. I remember, you know, when... I was like preparing for medical school and stuff. I was already in my, you know, older teenage years, but still I was pretty stressed out at that time. And, you know, sometimes I would talk to my dad and you know, he would try to give me some practical advice and she'd say, you know, you should do this, do that, whatever. But it wouldn't pacify me enough. And, you know, sometimes I would just go put my head on my mom's lap. <laughs> and it was somehow such uh, nourishment from that you know the stress would just evaporate and you know she would say that I can't do anything for you on a practical level but there was an energetic empathy and support and nourishment that she gave 
And of course, you know, I would get to eat all my uh, favorite things before exams. <laughs> that was a bonus. But mother is actually the foundation of the society. Uh, some people say that life doesn't come with a manual, but it actually comes with a mother. And uh, mother's love is really like the fuel that enables uh, even a normal human being to do the impossible. There's a famous American poet with uh, Scottish roots. Some of you may have heard about his uh, writing, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle is the Hand That Rules the World. It's by William Ross Wallace. And uh, he, that's how you know, he feels about it. And he wrote this sixth stanza poem and the first part describing you know, what men did and the second part, you know, how the mothers or the women support that. So all great men in this world, you know, had mothers and have mothers in the present tense too. Even Abraham Lincoln, our uh, amazing president, I was going to say temple president, <laughs> but our amazing American president, um, said that all that I am or hope to be, I owe it to my angel mother. And Srila Prabhupada also said that all the great Acharyas had a mother and they were raised by a mother. And Krishna had a mother, you know, Mother Yashoda, most loving mother. And of course, Krishna had many mothers who loved him so dearly. And when Krishna went to uh, study in the Gurukul with his guru, Sandipani Muni, he, you know, Sandipani Muni's wife was there and who took care of him. And Lord Chaitanya had a mother, Mother Sachi, who would just take care of him so carefully, so carefully. So sometimes we say that bhakti is, bhakti or devotional service is um, uninterrupted and unmotivated. But this is something we see in the love of a mother also. Uh, mother really has this unlimited facility to care for her uh, needy and dependent children. So the principle of this motherly love uh, comes from Krishna because everything that is there in this world is a reflection of that which is there in the spiritual world. And Krishna says this in the Bhagavad Gita in the 15th chapter. He says that the entire material world is a reflection uh, and he gives the example of a banyan tree on uh, the bank of a river or a lake. You know, it's, it's, you, you see the banyan tree upside down. So similarly, everything that we see here in the material world is simply a perverted reflection of what we see in the spiritual world, including all the emotions. So everything is a representative of something in the spiritual world. Like I'm sure all of you have heard the saying, as above, so below, right? So this kind of deep, selfless, motherly love is actually something that's seen in the spiritual world. Mother Yashoda, Krishna's mother, you know, she would think of Krishna all day long. You know, every morning, Krishna would wake up from his sleeping pastime. And as soon as Krishna would wake up, Mother Yashoda would go bathe him and, you know, dress him up with nice uh, clothes and ornaments. And then she would feed him and feed him along with his brother Balaram. And then Krishna, every morning after he got ready, he likes to go to 
the forest and uh, take his cows for herding along with all his cowherd boyfriends. So then after that, Mother Yashoda would get things ready for his auspicious departure to the forest. She would cook and she would make you know, lunch for him and so many nice things she would pack for lunch. And uh, she would get all the elders uh, around and ask them to give him blessings so that he can be safe for the rest of the day. And she would have him sit on a chair and anoint him with medicinal herbs so that nothing would harm him in the forest and he can stay protected. And she would go through like so many rituals to prepare for this outing. And so finally, then Krishna would call the cows and he would place the cows in front of him. And then he would set off, you know, he would play his flute and go to the forest. And Mother Yashoda, as soon as he starts going, she sees that out of her love, she loves Krishna so much. She sees that Krishna is perspiring. And so she comes back and she goes to Krishna and she wipes Krishna and she follows him till the outer outskirts of the village and then Krishna says mother go back we'll be okay and so she goes back but then she takes two or three steps and she again comes back and she just goes anxiously back to her son and she thinks that oh maybe maybe my son felt hungry and so right on the path she starts feeding him fruits and other sweet things and giving him something to drink and then she goes back and then again comes back. She does this like seven times, it's described. Uh, and, and she comes back and she gives him a thorough look and adjusts his clothes and everything. Then she goes back, she'll again come back. Then she'll give him some instructions. My dear child, don't go too far into the woods. And, you know, there's thorns and stuff deep in the forest. Don't go there. And she begs him, you know, please take care. And she goes, and then once again she comes back, and then she says, she speaks this time to all the friends of Krishna, and she says, you know, my dear Balaram, you know, Balaram is Krishna's brother, and, you know, you please stay in the front, and then she tells another cowherd boy, you stay on the right, and another one, stay on the left, and please take care of him, and so on. So finally, after seven times, Krishna says, look, mom, you know, please, you know, she convinces her. He gives many rationales and and he bows down to her, holds her feet, embraces her. And finally, Mother Yashoda returns. So this is the nature of, you know, Mother Yashoda's love for Krishna. She can't bear separation even for two seconds. And all day while he's away, you know, she can barely function. And then when finally she re he returns, you know, when he returns, again, the cows are in the front and the cows are raising dust as they're coming back. And, you know, they're just, they, they just get their life back and they're thinking how to protect Krishna and how to keep him close. So anyway, it's so endearing and so attractive to just hear these beautiful exchanges of love. But my purpose of sharing this really is to show that this overwhelming motherly love actually comes from the spiritual world. And we see it here in this world, right? How many times do moms ask us, did you eat? You know, my mom still asks me when I call her every week, you know, did you, did you eat breakfast? What did you eat for breakfast? What did you eat for lunch? And the mothers will 10 times ask their children, did you take this? Did you take that? Don't forget this. You know, be careful while crossing the road and, you know, so on. 
And this is uh, just, you know, their love for us. And we all need this um, motherly affection. It's, it's really uh, vital for everyone. And I think it's a known fact in the uh, field of psychology that uh, if you have a good mother, you know, someone who's very loving and caring and attentive, then one actually develops into a very uh, psychologically balanced uh, uh, individual. He turns into a balanced person. And if the mother expressed great confidence and, you know, give the child approval and encouragement when they need it, the child is great. And uh, sometimes the mothers may, you know, be overly protective and, you know, try to fix everything and try to always worry about the children. And, you know, when that is there also, we see the effects of it, that the child you know, the hidden message behind that is the child tends to feel, you know, my parents are worried because I'm not competent. So then they grow up with a very weak sense of self. So a self-assured guiding adult can make them into a self-assured self-guiding adults as they, um, you know, grow up. I also learned um, that astrologically, um, moon represents mother so i believe the placement of moon in different houses actually indicates how the relations of a native will be with their mother and the mind is steady um, when one has been nurtured by motherly affection in life and interestingly moon also signifies childhood so childhood relations of a child with mother are unbreakable and I think we all know that moon is connected with our mind, you know, our emotions. So, um, you know, when, when there's a full moon or something, some of us go crazy a bit. <laughs> so anyway, the point is that just this, uh, the presence of mother and her nurturing is uh, so important. Uh, mothers are also our biggest teachers. Um, Srila Prabhupada, uh, saw that the essence of education for children is uh, development of character. And his reasoning was that when there's character, you can really easily teach a child. And there's one story that he would like to tell sometimes of how a young man had committed some crime and he was behind bars. So it, it actually started with petty thefts and they became bigger thefts, and eventually one day he murdered someone, and he was uh, found guilty and convicted. And he was asked, do you have any last desire? And he said, well, I want to see my mom. And when the mom came uh, to the prison, he asked his mom, you know, come really close. You know, so she put her uh, face really close to, you know, the bars, and uh, he just bit uh, her ear off. And the mother was screaming and she said, what happened? Why did you do that? And, you know, the son says, well, I'm in this condition because you never stopped me. If you had stopped me when I was doing the petty crimes, I wouldn't have uh, ended up like this. So in our life and even in our spiritual life, there is a, such a great need for uh, affectionate care and attention you know, we have a lot of uh, philosophy, we may know a lot, and we speak a lot, you know, in the path of bhakti yoga, there's so many books, there's so much depth in the philosophy. 
but ultimately something that nourishes us at an individual level as well as at a community and society level is this motherly side or motherly love it doesn't necessarily have to come from a mother but you know there's this motherly love um even scientifically we know this that you know there's been studies and uh, we know that the right side of the brain is uh, responsible more for emotions and the left side is more uh, for rational thinking so the left side is more the masculine force it's like the part of us that is um assertive and logical and analytical is the doing controlling striving you know organizing you know these kind of things and the right side of the brain is feminine it's creative it's delicate it's intuitive it's it's uh, nurturing and receptive and it's uh, integrating and synthesizing and so on. it's like the soft part the part of us that knows something without the explanation so it's really like that intuitive let's it's the heart uh so this feminine side really helps us to be so usually men uh either the left side or the right side is predominant and more often it's the left side so a lot of men can be very logical uh but the for women both the hemispheres work together and they're connected um and we can see that it it is said that when both the hemispheres are actually in harmony there is enlightenment so we see that in very spiritually evolved personalities that both the hemispheres are um fully developed you know shila prabhupad sometimes he would even cry to see someone suffer and you know his spiritual master although he was known to be very strict and very um stern uh in terms of his personality but actually um even he is said to be more affectionate than millions of mothers um you know he used to take care of in the spiritual ashram you know the monks the celibate young celibate monks and you know sometimes they would be disturbed or discouraged or something and you know they came from very nice like bengali families and bengali mothers are known to be so loving and so doting and all that and so they would sometimes uh, feel discouraged and think that they want to go back home but as soon as bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur would come he would just uh just give them such love and such care sometimes he would just read to them you know like something about krishna is so affectionately that immediately all their distress would go out and you know it's no surprise in one sense because um the whole process of devotional service is an expansion of our original mother radharani krishna's eternal consort radharani she's the original mother and devotional service is her expansion so it's not a surprise then that spiritually evolved personalities or those who are more in touch with their heart you know they're able to express this kind of affection so to have um this kind of loving affection and caring and then extending to others is actually the motherly side of any society 
including our International Society for Krishna Consciousness. And uh, this is what people actually respond to in a very natural way. I mean, I remember even when I came to the temple for the very first time about 20, yeah, 22 years ago <laughs> now, um, there was actually a young uh, brahmachari even. But he was just so caring, and that's what drew us more to take to the path than all the philosophy that we heard even. And, um, you know, Rupa Goswami, another wonderful teacher in our uh, lineage, uh, he, he speaks about how there's six loving exchanges that nourish any society. And, uh, you know, mothers do all of these six exchanges so expertly. The six loving exchanges are basically that you offer prasadam and you accept prasadam. You offer gifts, you accept gifts, and you uh, share your heart confidentially and hear others express, um, you know, open their heart confidentially. And, uh, you know, mothers, you know, they always like to feed everyone. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's uh, you don't have to even ask them. They're always happy to feed. And just through the simple act of feeding even, um, you know, there's... Uh, like a kind of a natural trust that builds in the mother that, you know, I can go to her anytime and she'll feed me. And uh, mothers feed uh, children in all cultures. Srila Prabhupada often would say that our uh, International Society for Krishna Consciousness is like a kitchen religion (laughs) because we are always cooking for Krishna and feeding so many people. And it's not something you know, to intellectualize or something, but just when somebody offers us food and and with affection, we just feel this, you know, spontaneous, like natural satisfaction. Um, And this is what mothers do so beautifully. And of course, they're ever ready to hear our heart and she's happy to share her heart and she's always giving gifts, you know, little ones, big ones and, She's grateful even for, you know, a little gift that somebody, uh, not somebody, but her children may offer in return. Um, I'm reminded of this short pastime of uh, Lord Chaitanya. Uh, There was this uh, devotee named Damayanti, and she would cook so many preparations very lovingly. And she would make this one special ginger preparation and she would make this because she was always concerned that um, you know after Lord Chaitanya eats all these wonderful things you know and lots of sweets and everything he has his health shouldn't go down so then she would make this special ginger uh, preparation and she would put it in a little bag and Lord Chaitanya would actually derive the maximum satisfaction he would really like relish these uh, called Raghavira Jalis, and because they were made with this motherly devotion, and he felt uh, just his heart was moved by uh, accepting uh, these special uh, Jalis. <laughs> so, mothers also have a wonderful way of um, 
noticing the little details very carefully and they remember all of them for years to come. And I think this is very endearing and it's uh, very important uh, in all of our lives to notice the little things that people are doing in, um, you know, in our lives around. And that really uh, builds such a strong um, bond uh, with people. Um, just uh, not too long ago, you know, my father had a brain tumor surgery and I was um, in India for an extended period of time, you know, late last year. And one of, apart from taking care of him, one of the things we did was trying to organize the whole house and clean up and get rid of stuff that was there for years. And as we were going through, you know, the whole house, my mom and me, there were so many little things that she had saved from all the years, you know, little things of her memories of us growing up, you know, my first writing, my first painting, my first knitting, and so many things. And some of the things like seemed like even so silly. <laughs> I was like, mom, why are you just holding on to this? You know, <laughs> but you know, she, she didn't want me to throw them away at all. But and I could see it was her love. You know, for me, it was just a little detail and something silly. But for her, it was just uh, love. And, uh, you know, Krishna, we said, is more affectionate than millions of mothers. And Krishna remembers, you know, every little thing that we do. Even the tiniest little thing. He, he remembers for the rest of his life not his life. I mean, of course, his life is eternal. I didn't quite mean to say it like that. He remembers forever. And uh, he's forever grateful. And Prabhupada one time said, even if you turn one screw, one nail in the temple room, you know, Krishna is grateful forever for that. So perhaps we can take this, I'm taking this inspiration from mothers that you know, to hold our society together, this loving appreciation must be expressed, you know, regularly. And it's not that people need to do things for us like all the time or at every moment, but, you know, they've done things and, you know, we can be grateful for that forever and we can express it. Anyway, there's so many more things <laughs> uh, to say about the mother, but mother is also so intuitive in understanding uh, the deep feelings of a child. And uh, Krishna is like that also, that he understands the innermost intentions of a devotee and he's not dogmatic at all. He's very liberal. He's very forgiving, um, you know, like a mother, but 10 million times more. And again, in our exchanges, uh, you know, that's an inspiration as a mother because of her selfless love and caring. She's able to really access the heart of people and consider the deeper feelings of people very carefully. And perhaps if we would also consider that, then we could be an instrument of sharing that motherly love and there would be more um, understanding uh, between the members of a community and uh, you know, a more happy and nourished community as a result. Um, so many, many qualities of uh, you know, mother can be glorified. But ultimately, I think we can understand that 
the foundation of all these qualities that a mother has, you know, forgiveness and patience and tolerance and um, her trustworthiness and, uh, and more, uh, is uh, the foundation of all those qualities is really uh, stemming from her selfless, um, unconditional love. And I think that's the inspiration I'm taking from all the wonderful mothers out there, that there's nothing more uh, joyful than performing selfless service. And uh, just a few days ago, I just happened to read something uh, in one literature called Brihad Bhagavatamrita. And I thought to share that in this context. Uh, this verse says that the final fruit of devotional service is love or prema, which by its very nature uh, never makes one satiated. And so it says that the saintly uh, devotees who deem um, self-satisfaction, uh, actually, no, the saintly devotees deem this self-satisfaction to actually be the most unwanted secondary fruit of love. So in simple words, what it's saying is that a devotee who uh, really is relishing love for God is never satisfied with himself but he always wants to do more and more service for the satisfaction of the Lord. And such a person actually condemns even the thought that, they, that he wants to be self-satisfied. And he thinks that this is the most harmful impediment to bhakti. Of course, this is speaking about a very high level, but for me, you know, that's what mothers are doing, really. That they're not thinking about themselves uh, their satisfaction doesn't come so much thinking about uh, themselves, but it's coming actually from their uh, caring and loving uh, and giving to uh, the children and others. And, uh, and that's what motherly love does. And we can all cultivate motherly love. We don't have to be mothers to uh, do that. And I'll just end with uh, one more short thing. Um, one time, Maharaj Yudhishthira, uh, you know, I think most of you know that Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, and Arjuna had a brother, older brother named Yudhishthira. And this Yudhishthira, one day, he was out and uh, he goes to drink water in a lake. And uh, this lake was owned by Yaks. There's uh, these personalities named Yakshas, and they challenge him. Uh, that uh, please answer all these questions. And if not, you know, we want to return your brothers. He had actually, the Yakshas had actually killed all the brothers of uh, Yudhishthira. So they ask a long list of questions and someday, you know, you can all read all of these questions. Very amazing questions, amazing answers. But one of the things that the Yaksha asks is, what is heavier than earth? And Maharaj Yudhishthir says, what's heavier than earth is mother's love. And someone else said also that if evolution really works, how come mothers have only two hands? <laughs> Meaning that the contribution of mothers and what the mothers do is so humongous. I mean, how could they do it? But they need more hands than that. 
So thank you, all of you mothers out there who are nourishing us, nourishing all of us. So let's see if there's any uh, discussion, any reflections or comments, questions, corrections, additions. Let's share some reflections if there's no questions. Anything? Prima, I have a yes. question. Okay. <laughs> For some people, they did not have either mother, a mother present in their life or perhaps um, uh, a good quote-unquote mother. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you say to them? Yeah, I would probably say... Well, first of all, I mean, a lot of empathy for them. And I would say that, um, yes, it's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, just as uh, the story that we shared initially, uh, the source of uh, uh, motherly love actually comes from the spiritual world. And uh, if we are able to somehow take shelter of uh, the source of that love, then, you know, everything can be accomplished and our heart can be healed and so on. You know, I don't know that that will be my first thing to say, definitely. That won't be my first thing to say, uh, definitely. You know, I would, uh, uh, you know, support them, empathize with them, try to resource them, uh, try to encourage them to uh, open up to a person, any person that they can look up to and they, where they feel that sense of shelter and try to, uh, you know, if, if, if they could connect to that sense of love and shelter they're feeling from that person, some healing can happen. But sometimes, you know, we may need, um, you know, psychological professional help also. And that's uh, completely, um, you know, necessary and uh, nothing to be uh, shameful about or anything like that uh, because it can be very traumatic uh, to not have that motherly love at all in uh, one's life. And, and some of such people become fortunate to receive uh, that motherly love from other sources and some are not, and then the trauma remains. And I think it's very important to um, heal from that uh, trauma and recognize uh, also the symptoms and signs that may be there manifesting in our life as a result of that trauma and, uh, you know, address it. And ultimately, um, it, it, it can be addressed by um, connecting to uh, the source of all this motherly love. Yeah. Would you like to comment further on it? She's a wonderful mother. Uh, <laughs> thank you. That, that, um, yeah, that was a lovely answer. I was also thinking just in our own scriptures, the generosity of having uh, seven mothers mm -hmm. and the fact that, we, you know, many lives, many mothers, it doesn't make up in a sense of, um, you know, if you were lacking your own mother in your life. But I liked your point that, that uh, 
you know, source, source that love. And there's, there's many places, uh, even beyond the seven mothers, I was thinking how the scriptures also described as your mother. Yes. And yes, in so many ways, this idea of mother and shelter shows up mm-hmm. in our teachings. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for adding that. Yeah, scriptures are really our mother. You know, sometimes Krishna is called as our father and he gives uh, a mother in the form of scriptures where we can always find shelter and understandings and um, and not, you know, scriptures are not just knowledge. You know, sometimes we tend to look at as, uh, look at scriptures as just uh, knowledge or something. But I think scriptures are not just knowledge, but uh, they are really this motherly love because uh, the words in the scripture are imbued with bhakti or devotional service and they awaken that uh, bhakti within our hearts. And for anyone who has read um, you know, scriptures regularly and carefully, uh, they will feel that nourishment and healing from, you know, everything, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Any other comments, some reflections, some further thoughts? Miriam, did you have your hand up? Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Sorry. Yes, Miriam. <laughs> Hi, Krishna. Hi, Krishna. Um, the, the question that uh, Mataji Ananda asked, I want to also give an answer that goes back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were saying um, before um, how mothers are so sensitive to even little tiny things. So it's like the brain is wired to notice very tiny subtle things and to be very sensitive. Mm-hmm. So a lot of little girls are, are like um, seismographers. They feel every little thing. So sometimes mothers that don't grow up to be, you know, good mothers, very often they grow out of um, girl, little girls who have been humiliated a lot and put down. So just want to say the best way to deal with this situation in the future is for people to try to avoid such a situation. We, some people feel they have to train a girl harshly, but she can't help it. She's so sensitive. And sometimes that sensitivity, you know, makes things go off, and then she's overcompensating with her own kids. So even though we, we don't always see a mother and a three-year-old, but everything is being absorbed and everything will have an impact on, on what kind of mother she's going to be. Yes, exactly. Yeah, thank you for that. Anything else? And it doesn't have to be a question. I would love to hear your appreciation of you know, mothers or motherly love in general, or just any reflection from you know, what we spoke about. Rikishimati, I really like how you explained the source of the motherly love is coming from the spiritual world and the past times about Mother Yashoda caring for Krishna. I really like that one, Mati. Thank you for sharing. I have one question also. Uh, I think about this often, like uh, 
we hear from i think it is from chanika pandit i'm not sure prapad quotes how uh, educated person sees uh, uh, all other women other than his wife as mother mm. yeah so I, i was wondering how do we cultivate that right attitude towards other women hmm. yeah there is advice like that <laughs> um i think when we see women as this embodiment of this nourishing and caring um love that we get in our lives uh and we acknowledge that in a very deep way i think it helps us to respect the other women all the other women other than our wife you know it helps to respect them and then honor them um you know like mothers um because when that may not be there that recognition of what they embody you know perhaps there is uh, you know a kind of mentality to enjoy or exploit and you know have fun and you know and and then we lose that sense of regard and uh uh sometimes uh women become no more than objects even because when when somebody's uh desire to enjoy at any cost is uh so deep then the woman becomes objectified and they people don't mind doing any kind of heinous actions uh like rape right it's 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 because one doesn't uh value uh the person for what they can give for who they are they don't even value them as a person sometimes uh they become objectified but for us uh we're encouraged to see all other women uh with this kind of respect and uh and and, and maybe we we're not our heart is not like kind of pouring out with this respect right now but we can cultivate it uh in a very conscious manner and that will certainly help us uh see other women with respect yeah or the younger uh girls as maybe daughters or something you know but that is also seen with respect so yeah and thoughts yeah yeah thank you so much for the yeah. anybody would like to add something further please do hari krishna mata ji Hi Krishna Anjita my humble obeisance Mataji mm-hmm. Mataji I really love the story of Dhruva Maharaj and Suniti Mata the way I mean uh, I whenever I hear to the story I I I uh, relish the sweetness of that story I mean how great uh, uh, that mom I mean Suniti Mata is like um it's it's i feel like it's 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 very important i mean it's, it's she's such a perfect example of uh, of a mother uh even though she was undergoing so much pain but uh she advised i think she's a she's a spiritual master of dhruva maharaj she advised uh, she advised him in such a nice way 
I mean, it's it, it is so important. Of, if, if we if we compare, I mean, we, we can't even compare ourselves uh, with such with such a great soul. Uh, whenever we get hurt, and oh, I'm cooking this for my uh, my uh, my son. How can how can she say something to my son if someone hurts my son or something? Uh, and we get like so much agitated. Uh, the, the the feeling of mine, uh, uh, the ego, everything comes. But um, from the story, we should actually, I actually learned when for the first time when I heard and today also when I hear, I always, I always want to take uh, that, Mataji, sorry, I couldn't express this properly, but uh, the way we have to take uh, the negative things and we should not divert, I mean, depict that, uh, that negative things uh, towards our kids, it's it's very important. I mean, that's what we learn in Krishna consciousness. But as as an individual, as a human being, it's so important uh, for all of us. I mean, for me uh, to raise a children, ra- raise my son in 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 a positive in a positive way, and tell him that oh, this is good, this is this is bad. Yeah, I love that, Mother. Sorry, I couldn't. So basically, being able to you know, recognize our own emotions and acknowledging them and being aware of them, but not allowing those emotions to come in the way of extending our care to our children. And that's what uh, Suniti showed so beautifully, that you know, she was broken also, but, uh, but she had this higher knowledge. She had a connection with the source of, you know, that love source of everything and so she could see that although something harsh happened in her life uh, she she learned uh, to not blame the immediate instrument of that um, action uh, but rather to see the ultimate cause which for all of us is the supreme personality of godhead and uh, so she took a pause and, you know, redirected that please never blame the instrument and don't just react because if you do that, then it'll come back to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's very inspiring. doesn't matter how many times we read that. Yes. <laughs> All of us, I think it's very inspiring. Yeah, every time, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, Mataji. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mataji. Uh, could you speak to something about what is mentioned in Canto 5 about how one should not beget progeny if they're not able to deliver their dependence only if there's time if it's relevant yeah this is a huge question actually uh, but and it sounds also a bit harsh right but I think the point is for us you know anybody who is a leader you know it's not talking just about mothers but you know mothers gurus uh, teachers, you know, and any kind of leader who is uh, responsible for others must be able to connect them to, again, our ultimate source and otherwise don't accept dependence. And so especially in the case of parents, um, so it, it is spoken of like this uh, because it's so easy for us to uh, get attached to our uh, children thinking that they're simply extensions of our body in some way, you know, because they came from our body. So they are my extensions. But 
yeah, they're extensions, but they're extensions only in this life. They're connected to us, to, or to this body that I have right now. They're connected to us in this life. But ultimately, they have an identity beyond being our children. And that identity is that they are spirit souls. And all the spirit souls, by nature, you know, we're all connected to our ultimate source. And um, our true happiness, our true satisfaction, uh, our true potential, you know, is only fulfilled when uh, that relationship is fully awakened. And otherwise, whatever else we may do for, you know, our children, it, it uh, you know, it may be wonderful, many wonderful things uh, we could do on the platform of their body and mind and so on. And that's all wonderful and glorious. Uh, but, you know, when we want to truly be caring about someone, then we want to care for their ultimate welfare, not temporary welfare. So we would, uh, you know, care for them in a way that it's not something that'll just, you know, it's, it's not the care that'll last only a few days or more days or this life, but even beyond this life, we would be uh, you know, investing in that ultimate um, uh, benefit for them. So therefore, you know, our scriptures speak like this, that, you know, do not have children if you cannot uh, deliver your dependents because that that would mean that we are not investing in their ultimate welfare. And when we are not conscious of their relationship with the ultimate source, uh, then we think of them as ours and we become very attached. And whenever there is deep attachment, then one also wants to um, you know, derive enjoyment from that object of attachment um, and one can become exploitative in one way or the other. And that can happen. Sometimes we see in this world that even parents, you know, they may have been very loving, but out of some attachment, you know, they may want to, uh, you, know, you know, I've heard some stories and there's not time to get to the stories, but, you know, it, it can turn into some subtle kind of exploitation. So, we don't want that. We want, as parents, to care for the ultimate benefit. And that includes taking care of the body and mind and everything in this life. But we want to think even beyond that uh, by awakening their uh, true potential. Uh, which, yeah. Is that helpful, Rashmi? Okay. All right. So I think we're done. It's 2-5. Thank you all so much for your participation and you know, taking your time out um, on Mother's Day and uh, being a part of this. Very grateful. And I wish to ask all of you to bless me so that I can be an instrument of uh, sharing this motherly love. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prema. You're giving us so much to think about today. And... Um... Yes, wishing everybody, all the mothers in our community, a very happy Mother's Day, and we hope to see you all soon. Thank you all. Hari Vol. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Hare Krishna.